Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning in to this podcast. With the Feast of Candlemas, we draw to an end our celebration of Christmas and Epiphany and turn our faces towards Lent and the start of the most significant spiritual journey that any of us can make that leads to Passiontide and the joy of the resurrection at Easter. Do please leave a comment or a like, it's always good to hear from you. And if you'd like to help to, if you'd like to donate to help support these services, you'll find details in the accompanying text of how to do so. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our service begins. The disciples were afraid and they marvelled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even wind and water, and they obey him? With you. 
A very warm welcome to St. Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this the second Sunday before Lent. At our live service here in church today, we shall be marking Guild Sunday, the annual service at which we give thanks for the work of the Guild of St. Bride. We begin now with an opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the Gloria.
Almighty God, you have created the heavens and the earth and made us in your own image. Teach us to discern your hand in all your works and your likeness in all your children. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit reign supreme over all things, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle, and to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for the man there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept took one of his ribs, and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother, and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of the Lord.
A reading from the book of Revelation. After this I looked, and lo, in heaven an open door. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up hither, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and lo, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there appeared like Jasper and Carnelian, and round the throne was a rainbow that looked like an emerald. Round the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clad in white garments, with golden crowns upon their heads. From the throne issue flashes of lightning, and voices and peals of thunder, and before the throne burn seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there is, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And round the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all round and within, and day and night they never cease to sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives for ever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and worship him who lives for ever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, Worthy art thou, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for thou didst create all things, and by thy will they existed and were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed he fell asleep. But a storm of wind came down on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in danger. They went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marvelled, saying to one another, Who then is this? that he commands even wind and water, and they obey him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Many years ago, when I was still newly ordained, I was offered a lift to a conference by a very senior and somewhat dour clergyman. He declared that he was very happy to do the driving, so long as I was capable of navigating, although judging by his tone of voice and the rather penetrating look he gave me when he stressed the word capable, I'm not entirely convinced that he thought I could be left to cross the street unaided, let alone be entrusted with the task of guiding us to an obscure venue somewhere in the north of England, bearing in mind, you'll remember, that this was the days before SatNav and Google Map. Anyway, anxious to rise to the challenge and demonstrate my navigational competence, I took steps to ensure that I was fully prepared for the task to the extent that I went out and equipped myself with a brand new, totally up-to-date and state-of-the-art AA Motorists roadmap, if you can still remember such things. We set off and it was all going very well. About an hour and a half into our journey, I alerted our driver to a forthcoming right turn. It will be easy to spot, I said, consulting my new map. We pass directly over a stretch of motorway and our turn comes immediately after that. So we proceeded along the road looking for the motorway that was our landmark and we kept going and we kept going considerably further than I was expecting until it became increasingly obvious that we must have overshot and missed our turn. My colleague, with a sigh of exasperation, turned the car around and we retraced our route. Still no sign of any motorway, which I had assured him was the key landmark. At which point my colleague, trying hard to contain his irritation and rolling his eyes skywards, stopped the car and said, give it here. I handed over the map. There was a surprisingly long silence, at the end of which he exclaimed, to my relief and gratification, I have to say, 
but this is ridiculous. Because there on the map, just as I had said, was the motorway in glorious Technicolor motorway blue. But in reality, there was absolutely no motorway to be seen. It was only when we then spotted a number of bulldozers standing idly around in the surrounding fields that realisation suddenly dawned that the map that I had bought that morning was so up to date that it was in fact depicting a stretch of motorway that had not yet been built. We had been looking out for something that did not yet exist. But of course it hadn't occurred to either of us to question the accuracy of an AA road map, which is why my colleague automatically assumed, of course, that the fault must lie with his navigator. It can be both startling and disorientating to discover that the things in which we are accustomed to putting our trust, often unquestioningly so, turn out to be fallible and at times completely unreliable. And this experience extends well beyond documentary matters, of course. I'm delivering this sermon in a week in which a public inquiry has begun <coughs> into the scandal of the wrongful prosecution of 700 postal workers falsely accused of theft as a consequence of, faulty, of a faulty IT accounting system. It had been confidently assumed by the post office that the fault must lie with their employees. It has been a week in which yet more police officers are being charged with grossly offensive conduct. A week in which there have been devastating new revelations regarding the scale and cover-up of clergy sexual abuse in Italy. And I haven't even touched on the never-ending stream of truly jaw-dropping revelations and allegations relating to the conduct of senior members of our own government. Little wonder that there is a crisis of trust in our society. So, the things in human life in which we would normally put our trust, readily and generally with some justification, can sometimes fail us profoundly, we discover that they too can be fallible. Conversely, there are occasions when we come to recognise a profound truth against all the odds, which reason tells us should make no logical sense whatsoever, but which lived experience demonstrates to be the case. By any objective standards, the claims of the Christian faith are far-fetched, to say the least. It would be one thing to claim that 2,000 years ago, a Galilean carpenter's son was a wise prophet, a great teacher, and a miracle worker of some renown. But to claim that that man was actually God incarnate is utterly outrageous. Indeed, scandalous. How could such a thing be so? And yet, the disciples of Jesus, reflecting on their own experience of the death and resurrection of Christ, 
who, in the light of those events, looked back to the details of his life and ministry, came to recognise that inexplicable and perplexing truth, the deep mystery of the true nature and identity of Jesus the Christ. They knew it to be true because their lives were transformed by that truth. They knew his love to be utterly authentic because it cost him everything. It was a truth that required them, as it does us, to look beyond the story of the man Jesus, beyond the accounts of his mysterious powers, beyond the miraculous healings and wise teachings, to look beyond even the cross and resurrection to the power of the creating, redeeming, sustaining God who is the source of all life and all light. In our first reading this morning, we heard that famous passage from Genesis describing the Garden of Eden, created by God and filled with all the riches of the plant and animal kingdom and entrusted to humankind for its care and stewardship. The older I get, the more astounded I become by the amazing, beautiful, intricate, breathtaking, delicately balanced gift that is God's wonderful creation. If ever any of us needs alerting to the existence of a creative and loving force that far, far surpasses anything that human understanding and ingenuity would ever have the capacity even to dream up, just pause next time you see a butterfly's wing or a goldfinch or a clump of wild flowers and look upon that marvel with wonder. The existence of God is so manifest around us all that we don't even notice it most of the time. If you want to see something you can trust, look no further. After all, is it really preferable to put your trust instead in the wisdom of human beings who are so busy destroying our creation while they find all kinds of reasons to put off the moment when they actually have to face the fact that that is precisely what they are doing? or to raise your eyes and look around and see that truth, that greater and more glorious and more wonderful reality. People often make the mistake of confusing mystery with fantasy as if they were the same thing. They're not. In fact, they are polar opposites because fantasy is an escape from reality, whereas mystery is what we encounter when we enter deep into reality's very heart. Which is also, paradoxically, the point at which good science and good religion have most in common, particularly at the extreme ends of science, the micro and the macro, when we move beyond entities that are measurable by conventional means and are obliged instead to work with models and hypotheses. Because in both the life of faith 
and some of the extreme ends of scientific research. We are challenged to set aside our assumptions and enter into uncharted territory, seeing where it leads us, testing our models against lived experience and being ready to be surprised by the outcome and to have our lives transformed by it. And in the process, we can discover the one reality in which we truly can trust. We can discover the God whose love conquers all. And we can find the courage and the inspiration to embrace a life in his service. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the Scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray foremost for the Guild of St. Brides. We pray for the Master, Guy Black, the Clerk, David Blackwell, the treasurer, Philip Keane, and the guild marshal, Terence Smith, and all the members. We are forever thankful to the guild for supporting St. Bride's ministry to journalism, as St. Bride's is the spiritual home of the news and media industries. For this support is that much more vital than ever before, in a world where for those governing, morality is seemingly anathema and public image is more important than governing and slogans and tribal loyalty mask critical thinking. Journalists can hold to account those in power who have forsaken political responsibility, which may involve uncomfortable truths and falls from grace. Journalists are a force for public scrutiny, public protection. Thus, Heavenly Father, 
We pray for the unity of the Guild and St Brides in the quest for Christian saintliness to shine forth through words, sounds and pictures, the fruits of the media. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the people of the Ukraine, victims of a political tug of war. May lives be not sacrificed for vanity, treated as pawns in a game of chess. We pray for the people of Afghanistan, starving for personal liberty and food. May the women be allowed to study and live independent lives rather than treated as chattel for breeding. We pray for victims of sexual, domestic and child abuse, harmed because of an abuse of trust. May in time their memories and pain not be so debilitating. We pray for the postmasters who were unjustly accused of wrongdoing, some of whom had young children and were pregnant at the time they were investigated. O Lord, Heavenly Father, help them to find peace and comfort, new beginnings. We pray for those struggling to pay their energy bills, dependent for sustenance on the generosity of food banks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our own Christian community, we pray for our Sunday Club children, admiring how they work and play together, productively and peacefully. We pray for Alison and Jeff, Robin, our verger, Caroline, our assistant verger, our staff, our church wardens, our PCC, and our talented and devoted choir. We pray for each other here in the pews and the online St. Bride's community. We appreciate the fresh faces we see crossing our threshold, joining us in prayer, or visiting our crypt, or simply seeking solace and calm in the glory of the house of the Lord. Dear Lord, may the fresh signs of spring the daffodils and the primroses, and the longer days be signs of renewal and hope that the world will embrace the values of justice, humility, and integrity. May together we have faith in the future. Merciful Father, accept, accept these prayers, prayers for the sake of your Son, son our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this, our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, 
but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us.
Let us pray. God, our creator, by your gift, the tree of life was set at the heart of the earthly paradise and the bread of life at the heart of your church. May we who have been nourished at your table on earth be transformed by the glory of the Saviour's cross and enjoy the delights of eternity through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.